and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. Yeah, I mean, Mike Brown is overly prepared, um, and he's got a great staff. You know, he's talked about it many times. Like, Jordy Fernandez will be a head coach in this league, and he'll probably be a head coach this summer. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks were totally interested, and there's a good chance that he's a guy who jumps up. Um, I, I don't know that Jay Triano is a guy at, like, 64, 65. It's going to go and take another head coaching job. But the rest of this group is is really bright. Um, their scouting reports are intense. Uh, they're really a tight knit group. Like there's a lot of crazy ties. Uh, like Luke Laux, um, worked as an assistant with Mike Brown or, you know, a scouting, uh, a player development coach with Mike Brown at Golden State. Um, he, uh, Luke Laux, uh, also worked with Rosette Caldwell, who is De'Aaron Fox's new wife. Uh, when she she worked for the Warriors as like a understudy player development coach mm-hmm. um, under Mike Brown and under Luke Laux. Uh, Luke Laux and Davidis, I can't remember how to say his last name, they played together at Florida State. Uh, their wives are best friends. They all met in college. They're all like, we have this weird thing with the coaching staff where all of them have babies. All of, Like you go to a pregame and there's literally like 12 babies. At, at mm-hmm. like three years and under they all go to the same daycare together they have this real cool support staff for their support staff which is their wives their their wives have all these support staffs uh you know with each other like there's this really cool vibe with this group and i think mike brown's done a tremendous job he he's a coach that's coached stars for sure you know he's got on his resume he started with tim duncan manu ginobili tony parker he moved on to LeBron James. Um, and while he doesn't get any credit for the LeBron James era, like, look, there were many seasons where, like, Mo Williams was the best player yeah. outside of the LeBron James. He won coach of where, the year one of those years. Yeah, and he deserved it, you know. Yeah. And then you get to his later career where he, you know, he moves on to coach the, the Lakers for a short stint with, with Powell and Kobe. Um, you know, then he goes to the Warriors and is a lead assistant for six seasons where he's coaching, you know, some of the greats of the game, you know, and, and one of the great teams that we've seen. But again, Steph. So I think what's cool about his path is that he's coached like superstars, but he's also coached the other guys. And he came into Sacramento with a 616 win percentage overall career wise, which is incredible. And he put that on the line to go to Sacramento where every coach gets fired after two years. And here he is with right around like a 612 win percentage in Sacramento. Like who knew that that was even possible to turn a team around this quickly. And a lot of it is on him. It's on his positive message, his buy-in. We've seen guys waver here, like one or two guys like have some struggles and you can see that they're fighting their role, but that's it. Like no blowups, no no drama at all, and that's how this team is 
you know, stayed in it. They've been healthy. And I think that I'll attribute that to the training staff. I'll attribute it to the players coming into the season ready. I'll also attribute it to guys actually playing the game of basketball all season long. They practice hard. They practice nonstop. Um, they, again, I've covered this team forever. I've never had to go to, you know, a seven game road trip. They came back from a seven day game road trip on a Wednesday. We had practice on a Thursday. Like the next day we had practice. This team practices more. And I think that they are in game shape where a lot of teams by resting players, by sitting out guys, they just, they're not built like, you know, the, the Latrell Sprewells of the world who went out and averaged 82 games a year for a decade and, and played 42 minutes a night. Like that era is gone, but I see the, a lot of that in this current roster with the Kings. Their health is because they work hard, because they prepare, and because they fight through injuries. The Demonis Sabonis hand injury. Uh, Keegan Murray had a similar hand injury. But, I mean, these guys just keep going out and playing. And so, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a good year. There's, I mean, they're, a, I mean, I, I call them a good vibes team too, because I'm looking. So, uh, as somebody who is going to have no rooting interest in the playoffs this year, or really most years, but this year, if you look at all, like all of the teams in the Western Conference, you look at like people who aren't fans of that team are going to fight. You know, there are some of these teams that people who aren't fans of that team are going to dislike. People don't like the Nuggets because of whatever weird Jokic MVP discourse there is. People don't like the Grizzlies. I mean, even before the Jaw stuff, like people don't like them because of Dylan Brooks and because they talk a lot. People don't like Phoenix because it's like, oh, KD just went to another super team. People don't like the or Clippers Chris Paul. for kind of, or Chris Paul. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. People don't yeah. like the Clippers for the same reason because it's like, oh, it's this soulless super team with Paul George and Kawhi, and like it's all this like they're like the lightning rod of like the load management debate. People obviously don't like the Warriors for because they're a dynasty. People don't like the Lakers obviously because they're the Lakers. Every single person who's not a Kings fan, if the Kings were to make the Western Conference Finals, everybody would be like, hey, cool, good for them. I'm happy for them. I think so. Like, I, I believe, like, what you talk about the vibe, right? Again, like, a, a lot of that's Mike Brown. He instilled, like, this cool, like, accountability culture that the Kings have been lacking and that De'Aaron Fox was begging for. Like, please get us an accountability guy. Um, but, like, covering Demonis Sabonis is a joy. Like, that dude is one of the great, like, hard hat lunch pail workers we've ever seen. What he does on a nightly basis now, there's no flash, there's no glitz, there's no glamour. He goes out there, and he almost has a triple-double every single night. He's got, what, 12 triple-doubles on the season, but if you go in and look at how many times he's got nine rebounds or nine assists— um, it's more like another 16 games where he almost has a triple-double. And it, it's really, really crazy, but the the team feeds off of that that like workhorse mentality that he brings. And then you have the addition of Malik Monk, which Monk has been, he's a little high, high and low. Like he's, he's had a roller coaster season, but at the same time, bringing him in and pairing him with Fox and giving Fox that college friend, they're still super close. Um, it, it's really opened up Fox. It, it's given him a different support system than he had before. And I think it's a big reason why we've seen him take off and just be like absolutely spectacular. But you have all of these pieces, you know, 
Kevin Herter's a, a good spirit, comes in, fun guy. Trey Lyles is super quiet, but always has a book in his hand. And, you know, these guys are like, they have good conversations together. They're a fun group to be around. They like each other. There is no dissension. They're, you know, they they don't have enough talent, I, I, I think, to win it all. But they can get as far as they can get by, by pulling together and staying together where a lot of teams, they don't have that. There is no dissension amongst the ranks with the Kings. And, and you, again, it's about vibes. Like you can see it, you walk into the practice facility and again, there's shoot around start at, at 10 o'clock, like everybody else. And we're supposed to be there by 10 45 because that's when a normal shoot around would end. And, we get let in the door at 11:15, an extra half hour on shoot arounds almost every single game. This team works, but you walk in and you can feel the vibe of the day. So whether they're locked in or whether they're loose, not once have I walked in and thought, ah, oh, this team looks nervous at all. Like they don't have that at all. They're fun. They're messing with each other. They're having a good time. Uh, yeah, this is like, if anything, avoiding the drama for me has been one of the funnest aspects to this team because I've just seen so much trash. It seems like they've hit, like, the exact right balance between, like, you were talking about, like, Mike Brown, like, pushes them hard and they practice a lot, but it's not a Tibbs thing where, like, it's going to wear guys out and it's going to be detrimental to them. Or, but then they also, like, they brought in Malik Monk partly because he was De'Aaron Fox's college buddy, but it's also not this, like, players run the organization and there's no accountability. Like they've kind of hit like the exact right sweet spot in the middle of like how to run your operation. I feel like. Yeah, I think so too. And you know, again, Monty McNair who got an extension, him and Wes Wilcox got extensions mid season, mm-hmm. even Monty and West, like they, they almost work as like co-general managers in almost every aspect. One of them, like it, you know, clearly Monty's the analytics guy and then Wes is the guy who's got the experience around the league and who's helped like establish, you know, sort of the day-to-day operations of their of their corporate staff, like their their basketball side staff. So it's like a really interesting group to have together where these guys I, I think that they they mesh well together and then the players mesh well together. Um, again, I, I they're not done. They've got more to build here. And like you can clearly see the holes in this roster, especially when you go up against a team like Minnesota, who is like, you know, every guy on the roster has like a plus seven wingspan uh, to height ratio, and and the Kings struggle with length and and all that stuff. But um, but at the end of the day, like you know, you don't know how things are going to work out until you put it together, you piece it together, and uh, so far so good. Uh, you know, this team is really they've done a nice job of like. Like, it's a lot of kumbaya moments, right? And so it's good. And and the other thing I'll bring up, too, outside of Harrison Barnes, who's 30, uh, Della Vadova is, like, 33. Uh Everyone else on this team is, like, 24 years old, 26 years old. Like, so, like, Davion Mitchell and Herter and Fox and, uh, and Monk, they're all, like, 24, 25. Sabonis is 26. Keegan, Keegan Murray even is an old rookie at 22. Like the group, they're all going through the same exact life experiences together. Uh, Sabonis, his wife had a baby at the end of last season. De'Aaron Fox's wife had a baby just uh, like right at the All-Star break. Sabonis' wife is pregnant again. Uh, 
Harrison Barnes has like a one and a half year old. So like they're all around the same point in life. And I, it's, it's kind of cool because this group has an ability to be good now, but also to grow together and even get better, especially on the defensive end where they're horrible. But if you can put a team together that in year one with all of these pieces has the highest offensive rating of all time, then you might have an opportunity to grow something pretty special. So what's the scope, you know, going on to that, just right before I let you go, what is, you said like, you know, they're growing together, but also like there's still work to be done on this roster. What's the next thing that they do? Like what, what are, what do you think is going to happen this summer? Like in terms of like, what's the last piece they need to bring in? You don't have to go specific players, obviously, because that gets into territory of like, you get aggregated for saying something. I, you know, we, we all get that all the time as reporters. Yeah, yeah. But like what's the next thing that, that needs to happen for them to really become a contender? Yeah, I think what they did at the trade deadline. So there was like a list of players that we heard that the Kings were interested in or in on. You know, guys like uh, veterans like, um, I don't know, like Mason Plumley. that, you know, again, I, I thought would be a great fit because he worked in Jay Toriano's system in Charlotte last year. And uh, just sort of that veteran backup center. They've had some issues at the backup center position throughout the season. Chemezi Metu has held it down for most of the last couple of months. But even like last night, uh, Mike Brown chose to go after after playing Alex Lynn 58 minutes the entire season and one of the biggest games in the last you know two decades for the Kings, he decided to go back to Alex Lynn, which I thought was interesting. So the backup center position, I think, is still something that they will look at. They have Namias Keita, who's a two-way player, who is a gigantic human being, like 7'1", like 265, mm-hmm. 270. Uh, who's done really, really well in the G League this year, um, but there just wasn't really that opportunity to hand guys up, you know, like minutes at the at the parent club level um, because they've been so good. Um, so I think that's one big thing. But again, like we talked about, like these player archetypes that they were looking at. Uh, there are rumors of Darius Baisley, like they had interest in Darius Baisley, that they had interest in Matisse Thibel. Like I, I heard that they were really close to getting Matisse Thibel before he landed in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these different players that are are basically long, athletic three fours, and they were able to go out and get uh, Kessler Edwards at the deadline, which. In all on, it was more of a, a salary dump for the Nets. Uh, the Kings got, you know, they got paid to take on a player. Um, so the Nets could save a bunch of luxury tax dollar. And uh, Kessler has actually played really well. Um, but I, I look at him as, again, a player archetype. So, like, you bring in a long, athletic, six foot eight guy with a seven foot one seven foot two wingspan and who's known for his defense and basically they replaced casey akpala who was has those same types of measurements but couldn't really develop his offensive game and uh and so i i think they've kind of plugged in a guy to see what that looks like with the rest of the crew for next season and whether that's kessler getting another shot to to you know work the whole summer with this group and maybe become more of an offensive weapon more part of their system or if they go out and look for that player in free agency, a guy like Jeremy Grant, right? That six foot eight, long, athletic guy that can shoot the three a little bit, that can defend, that can maybe block a couple of shots. Like that's what this team needs. Uh, so I, I would say their their two primary like attacks this summer will be like to shore up the the backup center position, 
Uh, Harrison Barnes is a free agent. Um, you know, they've got, they do have a couple of other free agents like Terrence Davis, Alex Lynn, uh, Trey Lyles are all free agents at the end of the year. Um, they also have had lots of talks with Sasha Vizenkov, um, who's, <coughs> excuse me, who's sharing it up in Greece and is probably going to be the EuroLeague MVP. Um, uh, and the Kings are hoping to bring him over this season. Um, so like you can see these pieces that they're looking at, but that even if you bring over Vazenkov, that doesn't mean that you don't need this long athletic type player or mm-hmm. that, that defensive minded center that they're going to go out and look for to take them to another level. But it's mostly, you're talking about like supporting guys. Like they, they, like they feel like the Fox Sabonis, like as like the core, you know, the, the main guys, they feel pretty solid with that. They're not looking at like making a big swing and getting in another, like, like the Sabonis thing was kind of that, that move for them already. I think it was that move, but I don't think that they're going to restrict themselves and say that we can't take another big move. If there's a way to go get, just like to throw a player name out there, if OG Ananobi becomes available and the Kings know that they're going to struggle to retain or that there could be a struggle. I think, you know, again, Harrison Barnes uh, a year, well, at the end of last year versus Harrison Barnes today, is two totally different things. I think there was a point where you thought that there would be no way for Harrison Barnes to come back. And and then you got good and you couldn't trade Harrison Barnes because he means so much as like your veteran guy. Um, so they couldn't trade him during the season. There's still a possibility they lose Harrison, but this has been a really good season. It's been a, it, it's a feel good story, but it's also like a redemption story. And like a lot of guys in there, they just, they all love each other. They get along. So I wouldn't be shocked if Harrison came back, but they still need another. They still need another 3-4 combo to go with uh, Keegan Murray. Even if you bring in uh, Sasha, that's going to be more like a replacement for Trey Lyles, and it would be like the guy that we're talking about. And so you not only have to find that player, but you have to find minutes for that player. So if they were to lose Harrison or or they, they understood that there's a good possibility they're going to lose Harrison, um, and there's any way that a guy like OG came up for the potential trade, that's someone that I think the Kings would throw the kitchen sink at just because he has an ability to change your entire defensive culture mm-hmm. and he still fits into the offensive set. And, and so I, I think he's a guy that really could help them take a monumental leap forward and be like, they're going to be a three seed. They're going to, I think like for all intent purpose, purposes, they're like they have it locked up. Like, I don't think that they're going to get up to two, uh, especially with the loss to Minnesota. They've got three games here in a row that they can win, uh, again, with your Blazers twice and then the, uh, the Spurs on the back end of that, back at home. Mm-hmm. So the chance of this team winning 48 wins and the next getting up to 48 wins in the next three games is, is high, and then we'll see how they finish the last couple of games and whether they can get to 50 or not. But to take that next step, you know that you're going to have to get better defensively and you're going to have to find better defensive players uh, and, and to build around. And so uh, there's a possibility that, that that means taking another big hack. Yeah, well, I'm very interested to see how it plays out. I'm very interested in what the Kings look like in the playoffs. I think there's a chance they could do some stuff in the playoffs, especially with how much quote-unquote parody, a.k.a. just like mediocrity there is in the <laughs> West. Uh but it's going to be it's, it, I agree with you it's one of the cooler stories in the league it, it, not even just from the standpoint of oh this franchise hasn't done anything in almost 20 years and now they're good again like it's not even just that it's 
it's a cool team. It's good. Like, it's all good guys. Like, I'm happy for Mike Brown that he's getting to, you know, finally get credit for the kind of coach that he's been for a long time. Like, it's just a cool story just on, across the board on all levels. And James, obviously you do as good a job as anybody covering it. Tell people where they can find the Kings beat, which is similar yeah. by the way to what I'm doing. It's like the exact, it's like one of the, it's like pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Sean and I, we got together, uh, like coming into the season and the whole beehive thing, uh, which it, it's, yeah, you great. put me like onto new- that. Yeah. A newsletter. It's, uh, it's spectacular. I've been, at the King's Beat for, I've had it for about a year and a half uh-huh. after working the last six years for NBC, uh, worked for ESPN, NBA.com, like all kinds of different outlets over the course of my career. But um, uh, the King's Beat is mine and it's really cool. And it's mm-hmm. something that like you guys have seen with Sean, it's like an organic thing yeah. um, where we build a community and we grow in different ways. Um, I also uh, am on the radio. I have a, a a show three days a week on um, ESPN 1320 here in Sacramento. And so that's really cool. Um, and uh, you can find me on Twitter. I, I do a, a lot of a lot of stuff on Twitter at James underscore ham NBA, um, including my six quick thoughts, which seems to be like the most popular thing that I do because no one wants to read a game recap anymore. Right. Uh, because they, I've stopped all of you, <laughs> all of us have the attention span of a gnat at this point and so uh those are basically uh a game recap but in twitter form and yeah uh, so you can find those on twitter um and yeah like video uh the podcast the kingsbeat.com um the kingsbeat youtube channel yeah. uh, we podcast twice a week i've got two other journalists that uh, cover the team full-time and we have a really really strong podcast it's growing and it's been a lot of fun yeah i mean and during this playoff run, James is the guy you want to be following to, for Kings coverage. He does it better than anybody. And uh, James, thanks a lot for agreeing to do this. This was this was awesome. Yeah, anytime, Sean. Yeah, I, I love going on pods and and chatting Kings basketball. I'm mm-hmm. like the historical guy at this point. I'm I'm the <laughs> oldest guy on the beat, and I feel old. Like back surgeries calling, and like everything else. Like this job takes its toll on you. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm finally get to get to see it through it's it's been yeah. this will be like the crowning achievement of my my career so far so i'm i'm happy to to cover a team that's actually uh isn't drama filled and chaos and trying to relocate and doing stupid things all the time yeah all right, i'll talk to you soon man awesome <laughs>